Welcome to Scrollin', episode number 80. I'm Ket. Davius is on vacation this week with his family. How nice for him. Uh, but in his place, we have a special guest, werewolf main extraordinaire, Ufidnar, guild leader, and all-around good dude, my friend Skuma. How you doing, Skuma? Hey, Ket. How, how's it going? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Did I pronounce Ufidnar correctly? Is that how you say the guild name? Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, Ufidnar. Ufidnar. Well, um, I appreciate you being here. You're helping me out a lot just so I don't feel like I'm talking to myself here. Uh, and I've always enjoyed talking to you on Discord and in guild chats and stuff. And I've, I've thought about having you on for a while. Um, so just to give uh, listeners an idea of who we're dealing with here, I thought I'd just ask you a few questions and, and we'll go from there. Sound good? Sounds great. Yeah. Question number one. <laughs> uh, what, what attracted you to ESO and what keeps you playing? Well, I got hooked into Elder Scrolls, uh, you know, back in 2012 when I played Skyrim, and that was my first introduction to the to the universe and everything. And yeah, uh, same here. And that was just such an amazing game. It's so immersive, and and then you know I went online and I watched a bunch of lore videos. And I got hooked into the lore and the universe and all the Daedric princes and everything. And I and and then when a couple of years after that, when ESO came out, you know. As the MMO, it was just a natural thing to just check it out and get hooked, you know? Had you played any MMOs before? I have, yeah. Um, I played World of Warcraft for about five years uh, before that, so I was already in the MMO space, and uh, I really okay. enjoyed it and everything. So so when ESO came out, it was a, it was a, great, it was a great next game to play. That was perfect. Yeah, that's pretty much me too. I I, uh, I played Skyrim and I basically just wanted more Skyrim and ESO was the only kind of thing available that wasn't an older game, you know? So I just I just jumped in and started playing it as a single player game for the longest time and just gradually kind of started getting into the MMO aspects over time. All right, next question. This is just for my own personal curiosity. It's kind of a running gag on this show that uh, I don't like werewolves. Like I don't like they're just not appealing to me. I've never played one. I don't want to play one. Uh, you're a werewolf main, so my question is, why werewolf? So number one, really, it's it's sort of it's sort of cheesy, but uh, I like it for the RP factor. Um, okay, it's hey, just, that's valid. It's just very satisfying to like just RP as this beast that rips people's faces off uh, whenever mm-hmm. I get a chance to do that. So um, that's number one, and um, you know. From the surface, Whirl seems to be a very kind of basic class in terms of its like skill selection and everything and, and set options and stuff. But once you get really into it, uh, there is a little bit of a, a skill gap that you need to sort of fill to, to be successful with it, which is what I like. It, it's a little bit of a hard mode, in my opinion. So it's, okay. it's both RP and, you know, just it's just fun to play. I think my thing about werewolves i think the thing that like turns me off is the fact that i for one i cannot customize the appearance at all that's i think that's like the biggest that's probably like 80 percent of it so i can't customize my appearance uh, and really i can't really customize my build like i can you know i can try different sets and stuff but that's about it yeah that, that's the one thing that's the big drawback with werewolf is that um it is limited in terms of its the sets that you can select and how you can build your, your character um in terms of group utility, it doesn't really have that. In terms of, you know, other classes can put a resto bar on the back bar and heal your team and cross heal and do other things. Uh, maybe ranged one bar, melee another bar. But um, 
So you got to pull your weight offensively, basically. That's yeah. that's kind of what you have to do. Exactly. And, you know, most werewolves build super tanky, so they don't really dish out the damage. So in terms of overall utility to the group, um, if you're not uh, bringing other things like crowd control and just, you know, controlling the battlefield with fears and everything, it can be pretty, yeah. it can be, it can be pretty, you can see the, um, the drawbacks, you know, pretty, pretty well there. We'll talk about it here in a minute, but um, we, we've, played in some groups in battlegrounds uh lately i've been on a healer you've been on your werewolf and i have found that i very much enjoy healing werewolves it's super duper fun uh, i'll talk about why, why here in just a little bit but um all right so uh and you're the leader for the ufadnar guild which is a guild we've actually mentioned on this show before it's a pvp guild uh seems battlegrounds centric more or less, um, but one of our favorite guilds. We, we like it a lot. Uh, you want to just tell us a little bit about the guild and uh, and what it's all about? Sure. Uh, the guild was founded at the end of 2020, so we've been around for a little while. We started, actually we started off as a werewolf guild, and uh, it turns out there's actually not a lot of werewolves out there. So our recruitment was pretty, was, wasn't that great. So somewhere mid last year, we switched over and we went, um, we went, we went to become an all-purpose PvP guild, uh, and we recruited for Battlegrounds mostly. We met a lot of our guildmates through Battlegrounds. Uh, we'd play matches with them and and introduce them to the guild and invite them to the guild. And now we're we're all PvP. We do Cyrodiil. We do Imperial City. Uh, Battlegrounds is our uh, bread and butter, and uh, really, it's a great place to meet friends and have a good time with your buddies. Yeah, it's a very active guild. I like it a lot. Or is um is recruitment ongoing? Like, if people are interested in joining, is there anything they can do to to express interest? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so our guild right now is five hundred out of five hundred, which took us quite a while to get there. It took us, you know, a little more than half a year to get there. But um, but there's still slots that are open. For people that go inactive for a little while, take breaks from the game that are that go for breaks breaks for a very long time, six months plus, and there's always room for for more new players to come. And would love to have you. Cool. So um, I guess anyone listening, if you're interested, you can email scrollinpodcast at gmail.com and, uh, and I'll, I'll patch you through and we'll see what we can do if there's if there's any openings. Um, cool, man. Well, I think that's all the questions I have for now. Um, let's uh, let's move on and talk about some PvP. So we've done quite a bit of PvP over the last couple of weeks and you and I, I think, have played together more than we ever have in the past uh, in the last couple of weeks. We've grouped up quite a bit. Um Let's see, it's been you, me, our buddy Uncle Sam, who, shout out to Uncle Sam, he's in the chat right now listening in, um, and then our friend King Nar, uh, and that has been just such an awesome group that uh, that we've been playing with. So, I've been on my Magcrow Healer, you've been on your Oaken Soul, like, Busted Werewolf, uh, King Nar is on an Oaken Soul Dragon Knight using Plague Break, um, and then Sam... Sam was switching back and forth between his Necro and his Magsork, but I think our best matches were him on his Magsork. And that was just a really awesome team comp. I like having uh, you and King. You guys are both kind of these tanky bruisers that were like hyper-aggressive, getting right up on the front line, like taking a lot of damage, but also dishing out a bunch of AoE pressure as well. Um, and then I'm keeping everybody alive and um, um, tossing out a lot of crowd control at the enemies and debuffing them and everything. Uh, and then Sam's just hanging back with a Sork, just snatching up those executes and helping out with heals with his matriarch. This seemed to be a really, really good team comp. We had a lot of success with that. Super fun. Yeah, and um, that really is 
I believe like the best cost in MPGs is to have, you know, 1.5 people worth of heals. So Sam was, I believe, off healing. Yeah. Cat was the full healer, and and then King and I in the front lines were just going ham. And uh, what better to have than a busted werewolf and a and a busted DK <laughs> with Okunso yeah. on the front lines. Yeah, and uh, you were using Rush of Agony, right? Yeah. So on my werewolf, I like to run Rush of Agony. You know, I, I, I leap in, which procs Russia Agony, pulls all of the enemies together into, uh, you know, a concentrated spot. And then I fear them in place, they're they're stuck, and then the Russia Agony pops and it blows them up for, you know, anywhere from 6 to 12k a pop. And then and then you just have Sam and, and, uh, and King following up with their executes or whatever else damage they got, and most people are dead. Yeah, Rush of Agony is a set that I've complained about quite a bit on this show. But uh, when you're not on the receiving end of it, it's a it's it's a it's a great set, and it was perfect because you were yeah like you were pulling them all in and then fearing them, and they're all stuck in place. And King at the same time is throwing his uh, plague break on them, like you have them all in one spot, and he can just kind kind of dish that into all of them. Uh, and you guys just kind of get those health bars low, and then there's Sam just snatching those executes up, and man, there's not a lot a lot of teams could do about it. We were. We were kind of dominating there for a while. Yeah, and Kat, you also you know contributed greatly as well. Like I, I think your heal is very special and unique in the in the fact that it it, lo- it really locks people down with with your totems and and your uh, and your ice staff, and uh, that that does that does a lot. I've been on the receiving end of that, and I I, I literally can't move in a lot. Yeah, I'll talk uh, I'll talk in some detail about my Magcro a little while later. Her build is totally locked in, and it's it's a very good build. But yeah, she specializes in crowd control and debuffing enemies and she has heals as well but that's maybe only a third of the value that she's bringing uh she's a fun build um we did run into this one team on one particular night i don't know if you remember this uh this team or not but we went up against them i think two or three times on one night and it was just absolutely demoralizing because they just completely shut us down um I'm pretty sure they were all using Oakensoul because they just never did not have their ultimates running just 24-7. They had this uh, Vampire Warden that was just always in vampire form and doing sub-assaults and spin wins and just mowing us down. And then they had two sorcerers on their team. And I the reason I think they were using Oakensoul is because we were never not standing in at a gate, just like always. Like... They would throw a negate on top of us. We would move out. The other sork would throw another negate. And we'd move out of that. And the first sork has his negate ready again. And he throws that on top of us. And it was just the entire match. Um, you know, I mean, as a healer with negate on top of you, I can't do anything. Uh, King and Sam are both magicka builds. Uh, you have your uh, your healing abilities, magicka based, right? Yeah, it uses magicka to, to heal. Yep, that's right. So it's just, I mean, we might get a few seconds... Of, of in between the gates here and there to kind of catch our breath but man for the most part we were just standing in the gates that whole time and they were coming at us with so much damage there was just nothing we could do and you know we'd queue up for another match we'd see that same team and be like oh man <laughs> here we go again i guess get ready yeah and that's the thing with with the new with the new meta with the open soul and the, and the a major heroism it just allows people to really um make use of their ultimates, right? So get the ultimates back really, really quickly. And you're seeing a yeah. lot of folks that, you know, there are certain ultimates that are just better than others. So corrosive armor, um, you know, uh, Dawnbreaker, Negates, uh, all the all the hard-hitting or uh, really strong, strong ones with great utility, 
you're seeing them uh, pop, you know, affect a match uh, much more frequently. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of builds that are just kind of really focused on getting that ultimate, and that's what it's all about. Even healers, I've seen some of the most effective healers that all they really are doing is specking into ultimate regeneration, running Oaken Soul, and just keeping that ultimate running constantly. Like Templar healers, they're... Um, the the Templar healing ultimate I can't remember the name but it's a pretty cheap it's a pretty low cost ultimate uh, and it's super duper strong and there's that they changed that one morph recently where you can still move around while you're casting it um, and I've just seen some super strong healers that are super duper effective and that's literally all they're doing is just casting that ultimate over and over they're hardly doing anything else right and you know with Okutsol with the one bar builds um, you can either choose to be like this super hard hitting per hard hitting character that you know uses your offensive ultimates quite frequently, or you can choose to be a super duper defensive character where you can use your defensive ultimates. So yeah. um, there is a little bit of a drawback with using Oakensoul in terms of having to choose. You know, are you going to be a damage dealer or are you going to be a healer? Whereas on a two bar build, you can choose to be a little bit of each, but not as effect, not as potent, I guess you'd say. I do kind of like that about Oaken Soul, that it does force you to choose, like, okay, am I a healer? Then I, I need to just be a healer. Or am I a damage dealer? Then I just need to be a damage dealer. You can't do it all. Like, most of my builds, I try to do both. You know, I try to have damage and group support. Um, but if you're doing Oaken Soul, you just got to pick one or the other and just try to be as good as you can possibly be at that thing. So yeah, that's kind of neat. That is pretty neat. And um, and that's the thing that werewolves have always had to, to be, right? So we've always had to yeah. be these damage dealers. So the mentality is always attack, right? Whereas, mm -hmm. you know, now... now I guess you'd say, quote unquote, the normal classes, you know, they're, they're kind of get they kind of get the into that mentality now, right? Where they have to choose one or the other, and it's kind of it's kind of cool to see the normal classes, uh, you know, the real classes, you know, really get to you know see how what it's like, I guess, in a way, to be a, a werewolf, but not really, right? Without the fur, <laughs> <laughs> less fur. Um... We also uh, spent some time in Imperial City, which I hadn't done in way too long. Man, we had such a blast. Um, we had the same group of players, but we switched to different characters. I was on a Magplar. I think you were on a Necrobomber. Is that right? Yes, I was I was on my Necrobomber with Dark Convergence. Yep. Yeah, and then um, I think Sam, had, Sam was still on his Sork, I'm pretty sure. Um, King was still on his Oaken DK, and then we picked up our buddy Brandon, who joined us, who was on a a similar kind of Oaken DK corrosive build. Uh, and man, we were just wrecking Imperial City. We, we went up to like where the city was. Uh, we were all on blue and we saw this red Zerg. I don't know. Would you say maybe 15 players or so is what I would estimate? Yeah, there must have been at least 15, 15 to 20 or something like that. Yeah. And uh, man, we were taking a mod. Like we were like going toe to toe with them and taking on that Zerg. I mean, we had to be careful and in, in line of sight and position and kind of lead them into these choke points, but we were doing it, man. Uh, it went on for quite a while. We wiped them a couple of times. Uh, I think a couple of us had died uh, once or twice, but for the most part, we were laying it to them, man. Uh, I, hadn't, I haven't been that like amped for PvP in a really long time. That was super duper fun. Yeah, and that's what's really great about Imperial City is that you get get those bigger fights. Uh, when you play BGs a lot, you you get those like small scale kind of encounters. But with places like Imperial City and Serial, you really get a, a good chance to um, you know just fight these super outnumbered fights. And I mean, when you come out on top, it's extremely satisfying. It's so fun, and that was just right. Like we had a little five person squad, 
every one of us were, you know, competent players uh, and we were just communicating really well and calling out things that we see and just being coordinated and man, having some success. I mean, so much so that I think we discouraged that Zerg. They ended up like we didn't see them anymore. I don't know if they went down to the sewers or if they just left Imperial City or what, but there came a certain point where we were just like, I guess we won Imperial City. Like it's <laughs> they all left because they can't they don't want to deal with us anymore. You know, those are the kind of moments where, like, you're with your friends, uh, you're coordinating things, things are just things, things are just clicking. It's just like, you know, it's just, it just, it's just great. That's the reason why you play this game. Like, you know, yeah, just, just those those experiences where, um, you know, your theory crafting all comes to all comes to life and it works out. Yeah, that was kind of a ragtag crew. Like, we all were just like, well, this is if we all want to play on the same alliance, this is the character that I have that I can do that with, you know? So we weren't even really optimized that well. We all just had decent builds and we know how to play a little bit and it just worked out really well. Super duper fun. I love Imperial city when it's good. That's the thing is it's, you don't always find experiences like that. You know, it's kind of, sometimes it's hard to find action or sometimes you just get totally zerged down and finding that sweet spot can be kind of difficult, but when it's good, it's so good, man. It's so fun. Yeah, and you know, twice a year we get Mid-Year Mayhem, which gives you all these rewards to incentivize folks to come in, right? So folks that normally aren't there or folks that usually are there, you get the convergence of just like a, a bajillion people there. And it's nice because um, there's a lot of action, right? So That's coming up, I think. Yeah. Mid-Year Mayhem or White Strike that they call it now. Right, and then also recently in the news there was that little announcement that they might be doing some other – other things to incentivize people to do other parts of uh, PvP. So looking forward to that. Yeah, I, I hope something really comes of that. That would be nice. Um, so that was fun, Imperial City. I'm going to have to start doing some more uh, Imperial City. Uncle Sam says, favorite time of year, better than Christmas, mid-year mayhem. Yeah, all those – Sam likes farming all those noobs. That's his favorite thing. Uh, good old-fashioned pug, old pug stomp. <laughs> <laughs> Sam says, hell yeah. <laughs> um, so just some, just a few more little like kind of PvP observations over the last couple of weeks. Um, Oaken Soul Corrosive Dragon Knights are still extremely popular. That's kind of the the flavor of the month right now. Although I kind of feel the tide turning just a little bit. I think a lot of people have kind of experienced that by now, and they're kind of like, okay, that's cool, I get it. And it seems like a lot of people are playing Stam Sorks these days. I feel like Stam Sorks are the ones that are ultimately this patch are going to emerge like the number one kind of build that people are wanting to play all the all the builds that give me the most trouble that i die to the most are stamp sorks for the most part yes and on my werewolf it hurts as well because they use that bow they use those poison skills and i take way more damage on my werewolf so yeah uh, so if you want to kill werewolf you want a good tip is is use poison and use the bow <laughs> yeah yeah, bow sorks in particular. They're uh, and that's been kind of trending for a couple of patches now. That's becoming more and more popular, and it doesn't seem it does not seem to be letting up now. It's a very popular uh, main weapon choice, and the really good stamp sorks that I see aren't even using Oaken Soul. I mean, I, I'm sure some of them are and they're doing well, but the ones that I see are just like a normal two bar build uh, that are just wrecking, man. I think a lot of them are using Savage Werewolf and um, that Serpent's Disdain set, which uh, extends the duration of status effects. I think Sam's using that on his uh, on his Necromancer, but that seems to be kind of a, a popular uh, setup for them. Um, but yeah, the thing is, is like these Oaken Dragon Knights that stay in corrosive form, like they're really hard to deal with, but they're usually really slow. 
and my characters are always really fast. So honestly, the the dragon knights don't give me much trouble. Like worst case scenario, I can just run away and that's it. But there's no running away from a stamp sork. They're they're going to keep up with you no matter who you are, uh, and you're going to have to take that damage, especially the ones using that bow. It's all ranged attacks. Um, man, they're they're really tough to deal with. Right. Yeah. And in PvP, a lot of it sometimes comes down comes down to target selection. And with the Stam Sorks, you know, uh, abilities to move real, really fast, the way they're usually built, they can just really move around the battlefield, you know, really fast. Yes. Pick their targets, you know, burst them down, kill them. And then when they really do want to kill that Oaken Soul TK that's in Corrosive, they just wait for a bunch of their friends to show up to the battle. And then they just, right. you know, just try to, try to, you know, zerg them down, basically. So... They kind of have that in common with Nightblades, where they can engage and disengage at will. You know, they have that that just automatic button that just bails them out of trouble anytime they want with Streak. Yes, and the speed. So, they can, yeah, yeah, that's why they're so strong. Um, so, yeah, I think Stamsork is probably the strongest spec you can play right now. Uh, Oak and DKs are kind of the hotness, but I can kind of feel that starting to die down just a little bit. Um, Nightblades are also kind of having a field day right now. Oakensoul is benefiting them big time with that uh, major force. I think a lot of them are getting minor force from uh, Race Against Time, and they're just stacking that crit damage to the sky. And I mentioned on the last episode, like, I'm getting one-shot by Nightblades, and that hasn't been the case in several patches, where it's just, like, a single global cooldown, and it's lights out. Like, my, my health bar just vanished completely. Yeah, and on my werewolf, I have 30k HP, and that is literally the floor. Because anything lower than that, any Nightblade, well, the Nightblades are building the way they are right now. Uh, yeah. They're just completely just deleting me. If, I, if I'm, if i like, fighting someone, I'm at, I'm at 25k HP, one of those guys shows up, I'm I'm done. So I make sure I'm, I'm topped off, because I'm at 30k HP most of the time. But yeah, that that's the floor right now, at least. I would agree, 30k is the bare minimum, and I... Like before this patch, I would have said 30k is a good amount of health. That's what you should shoot for, but absolutely no lower than 27k. That was kind of my rule of thumb before. Like 27 is the bare minimum. Now I think 30k is the bare minimum. And if you can go a little higher than that, all the better um, because of that. Also, I think um, absolutely mandatory in any PvP build, uh, including if you yourself are a Nightblade, you got to have some kind of anti-stealth in your build, some way to pull Nightblades out of stealth. There's no two ways about it. You're going to get ganked. They're going to kill you if you don't have some solution for Nightblades. Um, so whether that's, you know, with some sort of proc set or with some ability like a Radiant Mage Light or Camo Hunter or a Revealing Flare or just like an AoE direct damage uh, attack of some kind, just some solution or you're going to you're gonna have a hard time because they're just, they're just on a rampage right now. Absolutely, and you know, I always have a couple stacks of detect potions ready to go as well. Oh yeah, that's another that's another good option. Totally, that's a very very good option actually. Yeah, and it lasts quite a while. It lasts quite a while, and the Nightblades they don't know that you have it. They they, they don't they can't nothing indicates to them that you can see them, uh, so you can take them by surprise that way. And most of the Nightblades that are running that much. Uh, that high of a burst, they they themselves are pretty squishy as well. So if you're able to see them, you do have, and if you do take the opportunity to get the jump on them, you do have, uh, you know, a small window where uh, they just don't know what's going on, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, and you can burst them down. But yeah, it's a good counter. Um, the setup I see these nasty Nightblades using are um, the Oaken Soul Mythic, Calurian's Legacy, and Ashen Grip. 
that's basically the the nasty build that keeps killing me. Um, so if you want to get some good ganks, that's the setup right there. And just stack your uh, your crit damage as high as you can. Yeah, and and one of the things that I like usually like to do to counter them is just is to also move sort of erratically on my end. Sometimes sometimes I intentionally move in diagonal patterns to uh, so that they can't really um, position themselves exactly the way they want, which throws yeah. them off the, that two seconds just long enough so that you can not get bursted down by them or survive their burst. Yeah, because they need to hit you from a flank uh, in order to stun you with their spammable, which is so that's what they're always trying to do. So yeah, if you're kind of moving around a lot, also just moving in general. Like I feel like most of the time when I do get ganked, it's because I was standing still. If I'm, if you have a fair amount of movement speed in your build and you just stay moving all the time, it can make it difficult for them to land their full combo. Like maybe they'll get off an attack or two, but maybe, but they probably won't be able to get the full combo on you before you're, you know, out of position or whatever. Uh, so just never stand still. If you're in a PvP zone, just stay on the move all the time. Right, and you know that mobility and speed repositioning—that's uh, a staple within all my builds. Now, for all my characters, like I make yes. sure to have at least race against time on there, uh, at least on my on my skill bar. I make sure to have swift if I don't innately have some sort of race against time on, and or if my character already has some innate speed to it, I'm always moving at least thirty percent faster than normal. So. I have to be fast. I think it's you know it's a matter of like personal preference and play style, but I have way more success keeping myself alive by utilizing movement speed and positioning than if I'm if I try to build tanky. Like I feel like any build I've ever tried to make where I'm trying to be tanky, I just die anyway. Like I can't tank out the damage, you know, so just being fast, having good sustain and being able to reposition as often and as much as I need to and, and having good damage as well. That works for me the best. Um, even in high damage metas like this, I feel like that's what's working best for me. Right, and yeah, and you know, mobility and speed in general, I've found is uh, one of the best ways to mitigate damage altogether. So you can have the he all the heavy armor in the world and all the resistance in the world, but if you're getting hit by, you know, nukes of like 20k a pop, you're gonna die. But if you're not right. getting hit at all because you're too far away to get hit, that's even better. So the yeah. best way to mitigate damage is to not get hit in the first place. Plus, it's the most fun to way fun way to play. Like just being really fast, like that's just a blast to play. Yeah, absolutely. Standing in place and holding the block button, that's no fun. Maybe for some people it is, but to me, I don't think so. Only for those that, you know, like to uh, sit on flags and flip them. And I don't know, that, that's what they feel. Oh, uh, we don't talk about those. Those, <laughs> those people. Okay. They know who they are. <laughs> it's, uh, there really is this, like, deathmatchers versus the objectivers, like, <laughs> freaking feud going on. You go to the, uh, the official forums, man, it is a daily debate going on about that whole thing any other like standout pvp stuff that you've noticed that are just is like interesting or, or anything like that um well one of the things i found the most uh interesting is that you know on the forums for weeks on end while the last pts was going uh there was this um i guess um prediction that there would be this these waves this huge wave of werewolf players that would just you know werewolves that would just yeah. pop out of the woodwork but for the most part you know i don't really i i haven't really seen them around um it's just i just see the same werewolf players i've seen before and some people might say you know skuma you know what what werewolf builds are you running you know i kind of want to try it out but most most some people don't follow through so all the werewolves that we saw that we thought were going to show up uh, in pvp haven't and they've chosen to be 
you know, that one bar DKs or one bar sorks instead. And I think the meta is still kind of shaking out right now. It takes time for people to figure out what's what's going to work and what isn't. So we'll so we'll see. I was right there. I was one of those people. Like when Oakensole hit the PTS, I was like, oh, it's about to be werewolf time. Get ready, people. We're going to the pound. But yeah, you're totally right. Like maybe initially there was a slight uptick in in werewolves, but in general, I'm not really seeing any more than I had before. Um, and I think it's just because uh, I think other classes just get more out of Oakensole than werewolves do. You know, werewolves get a lot out of it for sure, but uh, I think other classes just kind of get a little bit more out of it. That's what it seems like. I think so. I, I think having a hundred percent, almost a hundred percent uptime on corrosive. And 100% uptap yeah. on Colossus is a lot more fun <laughs> to play. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, or even, like, I would think on a Templar, like, their uh, Crescent Sweep ultimate is, like, 70 ultimate, I think. Like, imagine with, you know, major heroism, you're just spamming that thing constantly. That would be fun, too, I think. Yeah, when you, when you, when you encounter those Templars that can just charge in Crescent and start jabbing away, and they can do that, you know, every 10 seconds, every 20 seconds, they can be, mm-hmm. they can be pretty formidable. Because like a lot of the Templar skills are uh, do damage and heal you at the same time, right? So uh, they don't necessarily need like this back bar resto stuff thing going on. They can just bake it all in on that one bar. So it's it's pretty nice. Yeah, the Oaken Templars are really good. It's also true for Nightblades, like that major heroism. Their end cap ultimate is only I think seventy ultimate as well. Um, so they're getting that thing constantly as well. But how's your werewolf been feeling in this meta? Do you feel like uh, you're stronger this patch than last patch, or you know, are you about on the, uh, the same playing field you were before, or what? Uh, the Oaken the Oaken Ring has definitely made a huge difference for werewolf. Uh, we make good use of the Major Berserk, which is ten percent more damage. We make use of the Major Courage uh, paired up with our Minor Courage innate buff with the werewolf. Uh-huh. With one of our morphs there, in terms of uh, the color of the werewolf we run with, uh, we we get a lot of damage out of that. And uh, last patch, I would say that werewolves are a little bit underperforming in terms of uh, com- in comparison to other classes. Uh, if if other classes was uh, like it was like one hundred percent, you know, full power, we were maybe like ninety percent, you know, compared to them. But this patch, uh, the way that I've adjusted my build, I'd say I'm pretty much on par with most other classes. So, um, so it's nice. It's nice to feel like you are you have at least a good shot against other classes. Um, the feedback from folks I've actually fought against in BGs and other forms of PvP has been good. So, uh, so yeah, I'm really happy with where we're at right now. I don't think Werewolves are necessarily overpowered um, versus other classes. Yeah. Like when I can encounter like a Corrosive DK or or a Sork that's really good with the bow and really fast, uh, I find them extremely deadly. But uh, I feel like I'm at least, uh, you know, competitive against other classes. I would say so. Just in my experience, you know, running as a healer in group with you, uh, you know, you do that werewolf thing where you're just like hyper aggressive. You jump up in the middle of that meat blender, you know, when there's a <clears throat> when there's a big brawl going on and you just you hang in there and dish out those claws. And, uh, it's freaking cool. And I love watching that. Right. And I think a lot of attention has been paid towards um these classes and their oaken builds and everything, but you know, gotta get cre- gotta get credit to the healers as well, like yourself. Uh, whenever you're running with a good healer, it really does turn the tide of battle. A team with a healer versus one without, or just there are just some healers in the game that are just really really good, and uh, and when you come across them, you, you just know that maybe that isn't the team you want to yes. fight against. Yes, 
there's a certain Sork healer that I'm, I'm sure you know exactly who I'm talking about. Anytime I see them in a battleground, I just I just already know nobody on that team's dying. Just no, don't even waste your resources because it just ain't happening. Yeah. So what is your werewolf build? We already said you're using um, uh, Rush of Agony and Oaken Soul, right? Yeah, and uh, right now I'm using Stunes so that when I set a target off balance, it increases my penetration by something close to 6,000. Uh, six thousand, yeah. um, you know, penetration. So, um, so yeah. So now, right now, I'm I'm, I'm a medium armor werewolf. Uh, I can be pretty squishy, so I can't really hang in the fight that long. But I'm super fast because I'm in medium armor. I hit super hard for the extra weapon damage with the medium armor. So it's right now the build is Stunes, Rush of Agony, and Oaken Soul with uh, with one piece trainee. Um, so yeah. So that's 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 the build. Um, I reach I. Reach almost maximum penetration on, on folks, so I'm pretty much hitting people naked. And uh, the Russian Agony pulls them all together. I fear them; they're stuck in place. I do some AOE damage, and uh, I think my maximum howl—the the highest howl I've gotten off people this patch so far has been 16.5k. Yeah, I think you sent me that screenshot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's the highest I can get it. So, um, so yeah, it it does good damage. We love uh, Stoons on the show here. We have a we have a guild, a very small guild called Stoons Goons. It's named after that set, so we always get excited when somebody uses Stoons. Oh yeah, Stoons Stoons is the best. Penetration is a great way to increase your damage in PvP. Yeah, it was a running joke when that uh, set first appeared on PTS because it was like I don't even remember what it was at that point, but it was like hilariously overpowered. It never made it to live in that form, but we just couldn't stop making jokes about how just ridiculous it was, and we ended up naming our, our guild after it. Yeah, what's really great about students is the crafted set, right? So if you need something yeah. heavy, any any weight, any trait, you can just make it instead of using your transmit stones. And, um, you know, for folks that are really into, you know, theory crafting, uh, if you notice, Russia Agony is a, is, a, is a set you have to uh, grind for, you have to you have to, you know, go into dungeon four, but Stunes is a crafted set, so it's nice that you can have both a strong crafted set and a strong dungeon set paired together can make a really good build, you know. Yeah, it's a it's a very very good set. Um, cool, man. Anything else you want to see about that build, or any other builds you've been playing with? Um, I think with most builds, it also also comes out to playstyle as well. So I like to be highly mobile. I like to pick pick my pick my fights, and I like to um, get in there almost like a hit and run style. That's so what I like there, to. Yeah. So there are folks that just I'm I'm basically a stam sort humanoid build that runs around and hits and runs, but I do it as a werewolf, right? Uh, yeah. some other folks like to really get in and just brawl and grind it out, right? So I do have this other build that I run, which is a heavy armor build, uh, which is Kinds Marcher and Russia Agony, right? So it's a little bit a, a variant of what I just uh, talked about, but um but that's more of a heavy armor build. It can sit in the fight a little bit longer, it can grind it out. So for folks, you know, builds are really uh, – it should match your play style, right? So there are some mm-hmm. worlds that like to light attack a lot and like to do dot damage, and those builds can be pretty powerful too. But for me, I, I like the burst uh, the burst damage. Nice. Um, well, I've been playing with a couple of builds. Um, like we mentioned before, I, um, we were playing together a lot with me on my uh, macro healer. 
Um, that character's name is Despair. She's an Argonian and one of my absolute favorite builds. And I've been having a blast with it in this current meta because it's kind of similar. It, this meta kind of reminds me of the old 25% Malakath proc meta where damage is just kind of through the roof and it can be kind of difficult to outheal it. Um, like I'll talk about my warden here in a minute and, and she's doing really great too. And, but she's mostly just about like, being a very powerful healer, and she does a lot of healing. And even though Despair, my macro, has has maybe half the healing power, uh, oftentimes she's way more successful because uh, she's focusing more on enemy suppression rather than than pure group support. Really, you know, like uh, she has um, all kinds of uh, crowd control with uh, Caltrops and the Wall of Frost and the Remote Totem. So. All three types of, uh, of crowd control, you have a hard stun, you have an immobilize, you have a snare. Those are all in AoE form, like just spreading over the entire ground everywhere that any enemy is walking on. They're just going to have an extremely hard time with it. Um, plus I'm tossing all these debuffs on them, making them weaker and weaker. And I really like how that goes into the, the, the necromancer theme, you know? It just makes sense that a necromancer would be like defiling people and making them weaker and tearing them down. and and just kind of having this nightmare scenario going on. Um, and it's just working really well. And like I said, damage is so high right now that, you know, if you have a team coming at you that's ready to drop an ult dump, you know, no no amount of healing is going to save you from that. You know, if you're just taking 40k damage in a single instant, healing's not going to do anything. But if you can CC those enemies and break up that ult dump and make it so that they can't all drop all that damage all at the same time because they're being immobilized and stunned and slowed down and all this different stuff. Uh, and whenever they do deliver it, they're, they're weakened because of all these debuffs and stuff. Um, to me, that, that seems to be having a, I've been, I've been having a lot more success as a healer with that. Um, so my macro build, uh, I made a video for it. It's on uh, YouTube. Just search for Ket Sparrowhawk. Um, but I'll just tell you what it is right now, just between you and me. Uh, it is Wretched Vitality on the body, Kin Marcher's Cruelty on the jewelry and front bar weapon, which is a charged frost staff. Have the Maelstrom Resto on the back bar, uh, the Gaze of Sithis Mythic Helm. That's just mandatory on every one of my builds at this point. Um, and One Piece Magma and Carta. Uh, so it is a light armor build. Uh, with swift jewelry, I know light armor is uh, unconventional for a healer, but um, I just don't like heavy armor. I don't. I really don't like using heavy armor on any builds at all. I feel like I'm I'm slow. I have terrible sustain, um, and like I was saying earlier, like being tanky doesn't really seem to help me. Like just trying to like sit there and face tank a, a group of people that are trying to burn me down. Like they're they're going to overtake me at some point, but. If I can have good mobility, if I can line of sight and, and outpace them, um, I have a lot better luck with that. So I like staying in light armor, um, have a little bit of extra mobility, a lot more sustain. And yeah, so I think that, that was the key. The, the real key to kind of making this build feel really good to me was uh, equipping uh, Caltrops, putting that on my bar slot. Uh, and making the jewelry three pieces swift. I think as soon as I did that, survivability just became butter because I'm just slowing everyone down, and, it's, and at the same time, I'm faster than most people that I come across. Um, and the debuffs are just kind of outrageous. So the Ken Marcher, you basically have two major debuffs on everyone around you at all times with that set. 
I'm also giving them the chilled status effect, which gives them minor maim that reduces their damage done. Caltrops gives them major breach and minor breach because it's applying that sundered status that gives them minor breach. So that's almost 9,000 uh, reduced armor. You're, you're, you're giving all your teammates an extra 9,000 penetration against any target that's standing in those Caltrops. Pretty darn nice. On top of whatever penetration, you know, your allies already have. Um, so I've just really been enjoying this build. I think it's so thematically perfect that I'm providing group support by means of weakening enemies. Uh, it's just so perfect for a necromancer. Plus the heals are pretty decent as well at the same time. Uh, and it's just fun. It feels really mean. Like uh, as far as healing goes, it, it feels like weirdly aggressive for being a healer because you're just like, you're just making life miserable for these enemies. And, and uh, it feels abusive and like you're just kind of bullying them. And I start feeling bad after a while. Um, but just like I said, just for a healer, that's just kind of a, a strange feeling, but it's pretty cool. Like especially the the role play aspect of it. it. Like I said, like I keep saying, it's it's just right for a necromancer. I think. Yeah, when I when I was getting healed by you, Kat, um, it was great. I, I just felt almost invincible. That that's a lot of things when when people are building a healer, it's it's more than just healing, right? It's it's what else are you bring to the group, right? So, yeah. um, Tide Marches is great because if you think about it, all those major debuffs you're you're applying to folks, you're pretty much kind of canceling out all the major buffs you're getting with Oakensoul, right? And then yeah. all the um, various forms of CC. Um, if you're not in control of your character in PvP, you're kind of in a you know, bad spot there. So it, it, it provides you know, a great benefit to the team, great value to the team. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, I think that's what's so cool about it is like she does have some heals. Or like when you look at her healing numbers on the scoreboard at the end, they're not like crazy impressive you know like a really good match she might like have eight hundred thousand heals which of course the intensive mender doesn't show up on the scoreboard so it's actually more than that but even so it's not like you know two million three million heals like you see like you see sometimes um but that's just part of the value you know it's really it's really the cc and the debuffs uh, that are most of it and my warden healer she does get like two million or more heals like she's an incredibly uh powerful healer uh, but like I keep saying, I feel like I actually have more success. I'm, I'm better at carrying teams with my Magcro because of all the other stuff that she's she has going on. Yeah, and the sign of a good healer too, a good healer build, or just um, is that when you're as a damage dealer, um, when you're at like the last like maybe one or two you know abilities before you run completely dry with your resources, like stam or magicka based. Uh, if you feel comfortable enough with your, with your healer to just go all in and just go empty. Just to get mm -hmm. just a secure kill, that's a sign of a good healer build too. Is that do your teammates trust you to you know keep them alive? And I always felt really great in those matches that we had. Uh, I, I would just go the extra mile. Yeah, like I was saying earlier, it, I have discovered that it is so much fun to heal a werewolf because they're just so uh, hyper aggressive, or at least that's how you were playing yours. You just like get in there and just like just freaking go nuts on a on a group of people and. You were taking enough to, to take a hit or two and not just die right away. So I had kind of had an opportunity to, to do a little something with my heels and keep you alive and, and keep you going. And it just It's fun to have kind of this just wrecking ball in front of you that you're just kind of keeping them going. I, I enjoy it quite a bit. Yeah, and, that, and that's what's great about the werewolf is that you do have that burst heal, right? That's one of the best burst heals in the game. And once you pair it up with a healer that can give you hots or anything extra for healing... Uh, the werewolf just really is able to just go that extra mile, which is great. Yeah. So um, 
anytime I play on one of my healers, I end up playing with my other healer um, shortly thereafter. So I spend a lot of time on my Magcro. She's locked in. The build video's up. So that's kind of sealed and done with. Uh, and so now it's time to spend some time with my um, Magicka Warden healer. And I was just kind of saying, you know, by comparison, it seems like I have more success on my Magcro. Um, but really, I think there's more nuance to it than that. I think um, th they're better for different situations. I think on my Magden, and, and her build's been updated. I'll talk about it here in a second. But I think with the Magden, from the way I have them built anyway, is like if we were going to put together like a really nicely optimized BG squad where, you know, we're optimized as, as good as we can possibly be and we're trying to make like the perfect battleground squad we possibly can. I think my Magden actually would be a superior healer to have in that case. Um, like, um, if we're just kind of ragtag, like, hey, I'm going to jump on this build, I'm going to jump on this build, or whatever, or if I'm, like, uh, in the solo queue and I don't know who the heck's going to be on my team, um, I think the, the Magcrow has a better... Uh, she, she's better at actually just straight-up carrying groups to success, just dragging them, kicking and screaming to the finish line. Um, but if I'm... Uh, if I'm in a, like a, a well-optimized group and we just want every advantage we could possibly have, I think my Magden is actually better at elevating my teammates, making them more powerful and more capable of, of getting the kills they need to get in order for us to win. So it is situational, and I just don't find myself in that situation all that often where like the group really is like that dialed in. Um, you know, usually when I am in a group, we're just kind of, it's kind of for funsies, you know, we're not really taking it that super seriously. Um, but that all being said, I spent the entirety of yesterday, pretty much my entire 4th of July, I spent getting my Magic Award and figured out for this patch. And I, I think I'm pretty happy with where she is right now. Uh, shout out to Uncle Sam in the chat right now. Um, he gave me a couple of ideas that uh, had, have turned out to work out really, really well. Um, so the build now is five pieces rallying cry on the body. Hades Hearth as a bat bar set with a powered resto staff. The Master's Inferno Staff on the front bar, Gaze of Sithis, Mythic Helm, and One Piece Magma Incarnate. You'll notice all my builds have Gaze of Sithis, and you'll also notice uh, all my builds have uh, Three Swift and the Bewitched Sugar Skulls. That's basically like my template. I have to have Gaze of Sithis, Three Swift Jewelry, and the Bewitched Sugar Skulls for my food, and then we'll figure the rest of the build out from there. <laughs> but I have to start with that. I just like having that real, like, like that real dense ball of stats that I it's just it's almost like this big ball of clay that you can mold into anything you want from there. That's what I like. Um, but that's another light armor build. Uh, three swift on the jewelry. Um, that rallying cry set. Um, so that's we already mentioned that before. I don't think I've really talked about it. So it's a it's a newer set. Uh, that's the one that whenever you crit heal yourself or a group member, you get up to 300 weapon or spell weapon and spell damage and 1650 critical resistance. And then that that uh, value slightly decreases based on the number of uh, of group members that are affected. But even if you're affecting all four group members and group members in a battleground, you're still getting over 200 weapon and spell damage and like 1300 something critical resistance, which is that's the same amount as your base crit resistance. You're basically doubling your base crit resistance, plus getting some extra uh, damage in the mix as well. Um, we're going to talk about critical resistance a little bit more in-depth here in a minute, but having a lot of critical resistance is, uh, is a very valuable thing right now because of all these Nightblades running around that will just absolutely insta-nuke you. Um, 
So I've noticed on this build, I don't really get ganked. As, as, as soon as I started using the Rallying Christ set, I don't really get ganked anymore. It helps a whole lot. So that's a really great uh, set. I also like it because when it procs, it makes a big colorful circle that goes around uh, around me. And this build is all about big magic circles. I have that. I have Hedy's Hearth that makes a big orange circle. I have the uh, the Budding Seeds uh, ground AoE and the Illustrious Healing ground AoE. Uh, those are two more circles, plus the, uh, the trees, the Warden Trees uh, healing ultimates and other circles. So I have like five circles that I'm just like slapping on the ground all over the place. And, you know, kind of like I was talking about with my macro, everything is so perfectly thematically appropriate uh, for that. I kind of get the same feeling here with my warden. She's all about nature and rejuvenation and, and nurturing and all that sort of stuff. And she's just placing all these, these circles on the ground that do exactly that for my allies. I think that's pretty cool. Another thing that I really am liking a lot about my uh, about this Magden setup is um, she actually has pretty decent offense. Like she plays like a healer ninety percent of the time. But if I start getting focused, if someone starts like if they pick me out as the healer and they want to try to target dummy me for a second, I can flip to that front bar with that master uh, Destro staff, and I have five uh, k spell damage, fourteen k penetration, thirty three percent crit. I mean, those aren't like outrageous. Uh, offensive stats, but they're enough to, you know, throw a little sauce at them and make them think twice about just going full ham on me, you know. On on top of all the heals I have, I'm already pretty difficult to kill. Plus, I can throw a little, you know, kind of a spicy combo at them at the same time. Uh, I like kind of turning and burning like that and, and taking people by surprise with that. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and that's also some where, you know, a lot of healers really to get to that next level is not only are you healing your team, like you're like a full healer, you know, when 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 you when you need to be, but once in a while, if you, if you're actually able to lay in a little bit of damage in there to get to help your team get across the finish line with with finishing people off, that's that's a really big deal. And uh, a lot of healer builds uh, may not necessarily actually have a an attack a skill on their bar, but if you're able to do anything along those lines, um, that's really the mark of a of a really good healing build. Yeah, I, I like at the at the very least, even if I'm in full on healing mode, I'm usually throwing in um, deep fissures in between healing. You know, like every three abilities, I'll cast a deep fissure just to keep that AOE pressure, and it gives everyone that it hits a major breach as well. So I'm debuffing people at the same time. So at the very least, I'm I'm tossing those things uh, into the mix while healing. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm really liking this build a lot. Like I said, I don't think this build is going to like just straight up be able to carry groups the way my Magcro can. But if I'm in a good group, she's going to absolutely elevate them to be as strong as they can be uh, and, and, and enable them to, to do what they need to do. Um, so I'm looking forward to playing with her some more. Like I said, I just got this build set up yesterday uh, and I've done a few matches so far. Um, I'm planning probably over the next couple of weeks, month or so, maybe I'm probably going to kind of mainline this character and uh, and see how how good I can be. I might continue to make some changes and adjustments to the build as I go, but uh, I don't know, maybe not. I, I'm kind of really liking how it is right now. I like the bar setup, just how it is. I had to make some changes uh, to get Mage Light fit in there because it's it's not optional. You gotta have Mage Light or something like it right now. And I was trying to get by without it because I really liked my bar setup the way it was, but there was no way around it. Gotta have it. So yeah, that's those are the builds I've been playing with. Is there um, anything else, Skuma, PvP-related or build-related or anything else you've been up to in ESO lately? 
What about High Isle? You played? You did any High Isle questing? No, the only, the only thing I did with High Isle was um, was trying to get the leads for um, for the Oaken Soul Ring. So okay, that's so this the, is just the I... Oaken Soul patch for you. That's pretty much all it is. Yeah, and it's um, it's made Werewolf competitive, which which makes me happy because for a while there, I was um, playing my 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 DK. My DK uh, is a two bar two bar DK actually. Whoa, and... I I don't follow. <laughs> so uh, I've I've thought about do, using a one bar build, but th- I just can't get away from it. I, I really like my dual wield in the front bar. I really like uh, my resto bar because I can actually heal my friends in a BG or in PvP mm-hmm. and, and provide group support. And um, I like that too. It's, it's it's just too hard. It's just too hard to give up. And I also run rallying cry on my DK as well on the back bar for resto staff. And what's really great about that set is that. It provides so much crit resistance. It allows your your teammates or even yourself to not um, necessarily have to run in pen, right, to mitigate the crit damage. Uh, yeah. That crit damage mitigation will come from your set, which allows you to run more damage elsewhere in terms of your in terms of your armor traits, things like that. So, um, but yeah, I, I run a double uh, double, uh, double two bar uh, DK build, and uh, yeah, I've, I've pretty much stayed with that, and it's and it's been fun. I still haven't farmed Open Soul. I do not have it yet. I've just been trying to kind of navigate the meta as best I can without it. I'm kind of always like that. I don't. I I often do not jump on kind of the hot new thing until it passes. You know, until some people have moved on to something else, and then I'll pick it up and be like, "All right, let me see what I can do with this thing." It took me a while to get on the Malakath train uh, as well, but there came a time when it was unavoidable. It was just like I'm not going to be able to compete at all without Malakath, and I may come to that same conclusion here but not yet right uh with the werewolf you don't give a much you don't give up much versatility uh last patch i was running a lot of gaze of Sithis, so this patch mm-hmm. uh, ogre was just too good of a mythic to not use but on regular like humanoid builds right all, all the other classes uh giving up a second bar and that versatility is quite a bit to give up so I'm not sure if I'm ready to do that yet, but I know a lot of people have. I love how you call non-werewolves humanoids. It's really <laughs> funny. <laughs> the werewolf community—that's what we name everything else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. Well, you uh, you mentioned critical resistance and how that is um, a very valuable thing to have uh, in this meta, uh, since everyone's running around with Oaken Soul. Everyone has a permanent uptime on major force. Um, so a lot of people, especially Nightblades, but they're not the only ones, um, they're stack, they're stacking crit damage as high as they can. And several episodes ago, we had a discussion about, uh, critical resistance and particularly the M-Pen trait. And we were trying to determine if we thought it was actually a good trait to use in a PVP build, because the conventional wisdom for the longest time was if you're making a PVP build, you got to have M-Pen or you're just going to die as soon as anyone even looks at you. Uh, and so we did a little math and kind of tried to decide if that was actually true. And really, what we concluded at the end of that conversation was MPEN wasn't such a great trait. And since then, I've stopped using it completely on all my builds. I don't use MPEN. Um, but since Oaken Souls come around, there's a lot more crit damage than there used to be. It's kind of made me think it's time to to reconsider that and, and revisit that and see if I still feel that way or if things have changed. Um, so we're going to have a similar conversation to, to what we did at that time, um, but we'll we'll change some numbers around to, to reflect the current situation. So 
This will be a little bit of number talk. I'll try to not to make it sound so monotonous, but I think it's it's valuable information here. So so try to follow. Um, so first of all, let me just give everyone a quick reminder of how critical resistance works. So um, it's a little different from other forms of uh, damage mitigation because it's not reducing damage as it's coming in to your character. You're you're reducing your attacker's crit damage modifier directly before they even start attacking. So. Everyone has 1350 uh, base critical resistance, which translates to about 20% critical damage mitigation. So if you're going up against an attacker who has the standard base 50% crit damage, right? Their, their, crit, their critical attacks deal 50% additional damage, right? Well, you actually subtract your 20% crit mitigation from their 50% crit damage, and they're left with 30%. So, so their critical attacks are actually going to deal 30% additional damage, not 50%. And that's the base in, in PvP. Uh, uh, without any other you know, things being factored in, in PvP, critical attacks deal 30% additional damage, not 50%, because everyone has that, that base mitigation. Um, and of course, you can have you know, more crit damage and more crit mitigation and, and that sort of stuff, but that's, that's the baseline. And then uh, if you're wearing 7 M-Pen, then uh, that's about another 12%. So that'd be a total of uh, 32% crit damage mitigation, which would lower your attacker's 50% crit rate or, or crit damage down to 18%. So that's basically how that works. Um, and that sounds like a big difference, like 50% crit damage all the way down to 18% crit damage. That sounds like a really big difference, but when you actually plug some numbers in and, and run the calculations and see what comes out the other end, you'll be surprised. So let's do a couple of uh, hypothetical scenarios here, and we'll do um, a similar kind of thing that we did last time. So let's pretend that we're playing on a build that's kind of squishy, like most of the builds that I play. We're going to have 20,000 armor, like regular resistance, 20,000 armor, uh, plus we're in PvP, so we have battle spirit. And so the way the math works out with those two things combined is you're going to end up taking about 35% of an ability's tooltip as damage, right? So if somebody hits you with a 10k tooltip attack, it'll actually hit for 3,500, right? 35% of 10k. Does that make sense? Yes. So let's take that <clears throat> that 10k attack. You're going up against an attacker who's going to target you with a 10k attack, and they have a 50% uh, crit damage modifier. Um, and then that's going to go up against your 20% base crit resistance. So that means that 10k attack would crit for 13k. And then that's going to go through battle spirit and your armor. And that's going to end up hitting you for 4,550. That's with no M pen at all, 4550. If you're wearing seven M pen pieces, that gets taken down to 4,130. So 4550 versus 4130 with all M-Pen, that's a difference of 420 damage, um, which is about a 10% difference. So that's basically identical to the scenario we talked about last time. Basically, my conclusion there is still absolutely not worth wearing. You know, if it's saving me from 420 damage in that scenario, I'm not going to care too much about that. So nothing's changed there. I still have the same opinion on that. Um, but let's see, uh, let's see a situation that reflects the current meta. Let's say you're going up against someone wearing Oaken Soul and they're stacking their crit damage as high as they possibly can. Let's go the most extreme we can go. 
And let's say they've reached the crit damage cap, which is 125%. So they have 125% crit damage modifier. So if that attacker targets you with that same 10k attack, after your crit mitigation gets factored in, that, um, that is going to crit for 20,500. And then that number goes through Battle Spirit and your 20k armor and ends up actually hitting you for 7,175 with no impen. And if you have 7 impen, that would be 6,755. So 7,175 with no impen and 6,755 with all impen. Uh, again, that's a 420 damage difference. And this time, that's only a 6% difference. And that's something that I think is interesting because it seems that as, as we go up against attackers who have higher crit damage modifiers, we're actually getting less value out of the MPEN trait, right? Because it, it saved us from 10% damage in the last scenario, but now it's only saving us from 6% damage. And 420 difference, you know, from a 20,000 crit, <laughs> you know, it just seems like paltry to me. So I'm even less convinced, actually, in that scenario that MPEN is worth using. What do you think, Skuma? Yeah, I think so too. Like 420, when you think about it, extra damage. Um, if you're healing for extra because you have more weapon damage or spell damage because you're using a specific Mundus Stone for that, or a Mundus Stone that gives you more regen so that you can pop off more heals to mitigate damage. It's it's a, it's all about trade-offs, right? Um, what are you yeah. choosing to use instead of impen? If you're using, you know, well fitted to run around a little bit better, uh, save more resources when you're running around. Uh, roll dodging a little bit more often. Uh, if you're running divines for more damage to amp you know, Mundus stones or to, you know f for damage or for uh, regen, yeah, you, you really got to think about like w what are you trading off for using seven impen? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I feel like seven impen saving me from 420 damage from a, a what's theoretically started as a 20k crit. Like, I'm not even going to notice a difference there. I'm, I'm it's going to be a lights out in either case, you know? Um, so I'm still not convinced MPEN is worth using. Let's do one more scenario. Um, and we're going to take it to the most extreme we can for the, the scenario that I've been running into a lot. Um, so let's suppose we're getting ganked by a Nightblade and they, they're, they're an Oaken Soul Nightblade. They have a 125% crit damage modifier. They're going to hit us with a combo that consists of a heavy attack an end cap, a Kalurian's Legacy proc, their Glyph is going to fire, they're going to hit us with an Execute, they're going to be Light Attack weaving the whole time. Let's just say that all of that adds up to 50k, 50,000 worth of tooltips in, in damage. Um, and if they get extremely lucky, and every single one of those attacks were to crit, that would, uh, after our uh, our base crit mitigation, that would all add up to 102,500 damage. 102,500, and then that has to go, go through Battle Spirit and her armor, and that gets mitigated down to 35,875, if you're not wearing any impen at all. 35,875. So that's just, for all of my builds, that's a lights out. That's There's no surviving. Um... If I were to be wearing seven MPEN, then that would uh, that would go down to thirty three thousand seven seventy five. That's still a lights out for me, <laughs> for for most of my builds. 
so that's a difference of 2100 again that's a six percent difference i'm still not convinced you know personally i feel like in either scenario either with all m pin or with no m pin i'm dying either way to that combo unless i just stack a lot more health and, th- and that's right. So as you s- said before, the floor right now, you know, is 30k HP. You'll survive that combo that you just mentioned, you know, that, that shouldn't hit you if everything went perfect for 35,000. But let's say, for example, one of those things didn't crit. Right. It's, it's still going to hit you for thir- around 30k, right? So that's why the floor is at 30k. But to yeah. feel super comfortable in an actual, like, you know, brawling scenario where you're just sitting in the fight and, and going at it for a little while the new uh, safety point really is 35k hp and your yeah. math proves it so yes i would say 35k would be like where you can feel fairly comfortable these days or uh running a lot of regular resistance not crit resistance but just regular resistance i feel like that's more effective um at keeping yourself alive um but that rallying cry said now let's look at that thing so with rallying cry even if all four group members are being affected so it's taking that value down a little bit you're still getting like 1330 uh crit um crit mitigation or or crit resistance um which is the same basically the same as your base crit resistance you're basically doubling your base crit resistance in that case um so if you're wearing Rallying Cry and, and no M-Pen, right? So it's the same, you know, we have 20k regular armor, no M-Pen, but we're wearing Rallying Cry and it's active. Then that same combo now is going to hit us for uh, 31,675. Uh, and, and versus the, uh, you know, the 35,000 example we gave, that's 4,200 damage difference. That's literally saving us from double the damage. Uh, that 7 M-Pen is giving us. And that makes sense because Rallying Cry gives us twice as much crit resistance as 7 M-Pen does. And when when you have that much crit resistance, it really is worth it. And that's kind of the conclusion I'm really coming to is that it's not that crit resistance isn't worthwhile, it's that M-Pen isn't worthwhile. If you're getting a lot of crit resistance from a you know, from a potent source like Rallying Cry, then it's absolutely worth it. It's saving you from a, a lot more damage. It actually is worthwhile. Plus, that set's giving you a little bit of, of damage uh, to use as well. Uh, plus, you're sharing all of that with all of your teammates as well. Um, it's just such a good set. So I think that's where I'm at. I'm still probably not going to use MPEN on any builds because I don't think it's going to do much for me. Um, and Rallying Cry is a very popular set. There's a very good chance, even in the solo queue, that you're going to have somebody on your team wearing that set. Um, so I'm just kind of counting on that, honestly. And otherwise, like you were saying earlier, I'm going to rely on my Moon. I usually use a Recovery Moonus on my builds. So I'm either going to like have Divines so that I'm getting more juice out of that Moonus Stone so I have more resources to react and take action and do something, um, or um, Well Fitted so I can dodge more and just avoid all damage. Or, or even sturdy, if you like to play tanky builds. I mean, if you can sit there and just hold the block button and cut all damage in half, I mean, that's going to be extremely valuable. Um, I just don't think you're getting a lot out of MPEN, no matter how you slice it. So, revisiting this in this new meta with um, Oak and Soul and all of that, I, I don't think my mind has really changed. Yeah, and another thing, too, with Rallying Cry is that you're giving all your teammates that extra huge chunk of MPEN with the Rallying Cry, right? Mm-hmm. Which allows them to not run 35k HP. They can run closer to 30k. 
yeah. which gives them that extra 5,000 instead of you know dumping 5,000 extra uh, attribute points and you know take that extra 5,000 they can just dump it into their um, you know offensive stat of choice right Steam right. or mag and then instead of running seven in pen they can choose to run another you know trait like divines to you know really maximize their damage or regen so um, so yeah rallying cry is definitely a, a great great set and in pen is is strong but I, I wouldn't put that on my on my um, on my gear personally yeah and it's also just not a very fun trait you know it's like i think of it as a as a quote-unquote dumb trait where like you don't have to do anything to get anything out of it right you just have to stand there and take damage and hopefully it's reducing that damage for you but i like traits that actually like you have to do something to get a benefit from it right like with divines it's giving you more uh stats of some kind you have to know what to do with those stats with well-fitted you have to actually you know, be running or be dodging to, to get benefits out of that. And those types of traits tend to be more powerful, the ones that require you to do something. And it's just more fun to play that way, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And what's really nice is that, is that you know, the different armor traits that you do, that you can select from are actually pretty meaningful, right? That mm-hmm. Zoss has, you know, developed the game to, to a point where, you know, you can select Sturdy or Impen or Divines or World Fitted. Or even infused in some cases, you know, to really fit your playstyle, fit your build, and make it, you know, get the most out of it. So it's nice. Yeah, infused isn't bad either. I uh, I like to do all divines on my Magicka builds, and I like to do either a mix of divines and well fitted on my stamina builds, or all well fitted on my stamina builds. That that's kind of my my go to trait setups that I've been using. I'm a I'm a big fan of divines. I, I really like the versatility it gives, so that you know. If there's a certain need for penetration or weapon damage or, uh, in some cases, sustain on a magic tune, you can really just select which which Mundus is going to give you what you need for, for a certain situation. So I really like the versatility of Divines, for sure. Um, Sam just put a screenshot in the chat. He went 19-5 and five on his uh, Necromancer in a battleground. He's trying out a new bomb build, which he's a little late getting on the bomb train there, Sam. Um, that, that ship has sailed. It's all Oakensoul now. He was complaining earlier because he's like, man, I can't get my bomb to land ever. Uh, but it seems like he's kind of finding that groove now. Yeah, and, you know, bomb, bombs are great too. Um, necro bombs are are required, in in my opinion, when it comes to fighting groups that are, that are just turtling up. Uh, the bombs are required to, to really soften them up and really allow your team to counter bomb, I guess you'd say, or counter uh, attack. And actually be successful. In those like super sweaty pre-mades, that's the only way anybody dies is those bombs. Well, we're kind of getting close to the end here. One little piece of news today. There was a, a press release put up on uh, ESO's website, the official website. Um, they announced the upcoming DLCs. This, this is going to be update 35. It's called The Lost Depths. Uh, so this will be the the Q3 DLC. It's a dungeon pack, like always, uh, like every Q3. Um, and we don't have much info on that, but uh, they do say there's going to be some balance adjustments. There's going to be some changes to the combat system, they say. I'm very curious to see what that's going to be. Probably a, a corrosive armor nerf, I'm expecting, of uh, some kind. Uh, and they also say this is when they're going to start implementing these Battlegrounds mini-events, like uh, the example they gave was uh, earning bonus AP on the weekends uh, and that kind of stuff. 
um, the the actual patch is supposed to go live on PC uh, August twenty second, uh, and then that that'll be uh, September second on consoles. Or I'm sorry, September sixth on consoles. I made a typo there. Um, so I'm really hoping that those BG mini events ends up being more than just bonus AP because I already have like infinity AP. That's not <laughs> that's not much of an enticement for me, but. You know, that might entice people who don't normally play a lot of Battlegrounds to start jumping in there. Maybe that'll improve the overall player population over time, and then maybe we can address the queue situation then, now that more people are queuing up. Um, but uh, more transmutes. That's what we need. We need more transmutes for playing Battlegrounds. That's the real <laughs> thing. Definitely more transmutes. Um, give us some costumes. Give us some polymorphs. Give us yeah. some mounts. Give us give, give some give us something cool to show off for for our time in PGs um, and other PvP sources. You know, give us yeah. more. Give us more of those bonuses that you get during mid year mayhem. Make that more often throughout the year. You know, once a quarter, once every two months or something, because those events really drive and those rewards really drive folks to try out PvP. And um, you know, one of the biggest things that you know that Zoss did. Was at least on PCNA, uh, the servers have been performing really, really well. Uh, yeah. The other last week, I was in Greyhost, which is the main Cyrodiil campaign here at PCNA, and um, I played all night. Uh, I was on screen with 50 plus folks, you know, a, a couple times, and there was absolutely no lag whatsoever. So, whatever yes. uh, Zoss did to help out with the servers, it's been great. <laughs> We talked about that a couple episodes ago. It was hilarious. Did you keep up with that on the forums, like with the, when they were talking about that? Because uh, they gave everyone a heads up, like, "Hey, we're going to replace uh, some server hardware." Just giving everyone a heads up that we're doing this thing. This will not impact performance, so don't get excited about that. It's just something we got to do. There's going to be some downtime uh, while we do it, and so they did that. They replaced the server hardware, and when the game came back online, Cyrodiil just magically works now. They just like fixed it by accident. They didn't even know that they were fixing it. <laughs> right. So and funny. it's just a really good sign that it looks like Zoss is really, you know, trying to, you know, cater to the PvP community a little bit, right? So our biggest complaints before were, you know, performance. They've sort of fixed that, right? And mm -hmm. now they're thinking about special events over the weekends for BGs, for other areas of the game, for PvP. So it's looking like they're going the right direction and hopefully there's more you know, new content that come out, you know, maybe next year or something like that. But, um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to all that good stuff. Yeah. I am glad that they're turning their attention to battlegrounds. At least, uh, I do hope that these battlegrounds events end up being something like they try different stuff besides just bonus AP. I was really hoping that, um, they would do something like a, like a deathmatch weekend where like, on some weekend, the only mode available is Deathmatch, and then we go back to random on Monday or whatever. Stuff like that would be cool, but just the fact that they're focusing their attention on it in any way is is a good thing, uh, I think. The system's there, right? So they, they, should t they should take advantage of it, right? They've built really great um, places to PvP. They just need to utilize that resource and that asset much more. Yes, I agree. Um... So anyway, yeah, that patch is set to go live on PC on August 22nd, but the, the public test server goes live this coming Monday. Um, so we'll actually be able to start checking out these proposed balance changes and combat changes and those sorts of things uh, in less than a week from now. 
Um, so we'll definitely be talking about those those sweet sweet patch notes uh, on the next episode. So look forward to that. Um, shout out to Uncle Sam in the chat, our one chat participant. Thanks for joining us, Sam. Always a pleasure. Also, another shout out to Sam and King Nar and our friend Brandon uh, for just grouping up with us and doing some awesome PvP. We had some really great times, especially uh, the uh, uh, the Imperial City squad. Man, that was just, we got to do that again soon. That was a really great squad. So so fun. Um, so shout out to you guys. Uh, thank you very much. If uh, anyone listening would like to send us an email, you can email us at scrollinpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, any questions, uh, any suggestions for the show, things you want to hear us talk about. Uh, you can tell us a joke. You can just say hello. Uh, whatever you want. Scrollinpodcast at gmail.com is the place to go. We have a guild. The guild's name is Stoons Goons. Uh, best named guild on the server and also the official guild of the Scrollin' Podcast. If you want to be a member of Stoons Goons, you can email us at scrollinpodcast at gmail.com. I'll send you an invite. Um, if your guild roster is full, no big deal. You can uh, you can join the Discord instead. Uh, and really, that's the true home of the guild anyway. That's where we are always talking and sharing ideas and joking around and stuff. Um, and anyone who's in the Discord, in my book, they're a goon. That's just, that's just how it is. Uh, so scroll in podcast at gmail.com if you want to be in the guild or in the discord or both, uh, however you want to do it. Skuma, thanks again for being here, man. I really appreciate it. It's been fun. Yeah, I've been a fan for a very long time, Kat, and uh, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, anytime. Let's do it again. Uh, I think that's going to wrap it up. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time.